Hello and welcome to Unintended Consequences of Technologies, the podcast, where we chat with inspiring individuals creating solutions toward unintended consequences of technologies. I'm your host, Chris Ategeka. I am an engineer, a TED speaker, and the founder of the world's first center for the unintended consequences of technologies. Our guest today is Jeff Kirshner, who is a community organizer using technology to fight the negative effects of technology. He created a company called Literati that crowdsources cleaning up the planet. Jeff's work has tracked trash in more than 100 countries, and he hopes to use the data he collects to work with brands and organizations to stop litter and e-waste before it reaches the ground. Jeff, welcome to the show. Chris, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have you here. Um, You're literally a person who's changing the world. Um, And before we get into all that that you do, let's start with you. Uh, You are one of those people who is inspiring community organizers, not just to me, but a lot of people that know your work. Tell our listeners, who is Jeff? I am a father and a husband, and I, uh, I'm the founder of an organization called Literati. And we're a community that is crowdsourced cleaning the planet one piece of litter at a time. So I want to set the stage for our listeners. Uh, before coming here, I did my research a little bit and got some numbers. Um, and, and these numbers are really staggering. And what I find really striking is... Um, According to World Health Organization, there will be uh, more plastics in the ocean than fish. That is a big, big, scary statistic. Um, uh, And they they also say that uh, there is 12 billion metric tons of plastics that will be in the landfill by 2050. Just to put it into perspective, uh, that plastic is is 35,000 times heavier than the Empire State Building. What, what, when you hear numbers like that, what comes to mind? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it's hard to wrap your head around it, right? The, the numbers are, are obviously enormous, but it, I think one of the, the challenges that we have as, as people is truly understanding what that means for us as a race going forward, and more importantly, what do we do about it? Right. Um, so let's let's dive into your work. How how did you get started? Um, uh, talk to me and the listeners uh, through your journey. Like, how did you get started? and How did you get where you are today? I went on a walk in the woods with my two little kids, and my daughter, who was four at the time, noticed a plastic tub of cat litter in a creek, and she looked at me and just said, "Daddy, that doesn't go there." Although it was more like, Daddy, that doesn't go there. Mm-hmm. And it was just this really innocent comment. Um, and I know it sounds like a cliche, but it was the eye-opening moment for me. You know, here I am living in the Bay Area, a place known for being environmentally responsible and ecologically progressive, and yet everywhere you look, there's litter. So she makes this comment, and it reminded me of when I was a kid. I used to go to summer camp, and on the morning of visiting day, Right before they let our parents come in, the camp director would be like, quick, everybody go pick up five pieces of litter. And so, you know, you get a couple hundred kids each picking up a few pieces, and it's not long before you've got a much cleaner camp. And so I thought, 
why not apply that crowdsourced cleanup model to the planet? Mm-hmm. And that was the inspiration for starting Literati. Right. So I, I got to bring it back to you. Why, why does this matter to you personally? It's really interesting how a child can get you to see the world in a way that you hadn't. Look, mm. am I passionate about litter? No. But am I passionate about leaving the world better than I found it? Yeah. Right. And do I think that maybe I can help play a small role in building a solution that makes people feel empowered or inspired? I do. And, right. and so right. that's really maybe the answer to why me. There's the other part of it, which is that old adage, like, if not us, then who? And if not now, then when? Right, right. So I, I guess I got to a point where I just wasn't willing to kick the can down the road anymore. And I thought, all right, maybe I can do something to affect change. Absolutely. Very, very inspiring. So what kind of hurdles have you encountered while you're starting this personally and professionally? And how did you overcome them? Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think the podcast is long enough for the amount of hurdles. That, um, <laughs> I agree. As right? an I mean, entrepreneur myself. You know, you know this as well as anybody, Chris. Right. I mean, I, I think the very um, existence of being an entrepreneur is filled with obstacles and challenges. And I would suggest that social entrepreneurs have it potentially even more, primarily because oftentimes business models are not immediately clear. Right. Um, and you're also tackling some of the world's most complex challenges. Some of the hurdles that we faced include everything from, you know, we started, so part of our journey was, I took a photograph of a cigarette on Instagram Mm. and added this hashtag literati. And and that's how everything started, right? It was literally people on Instagram taking individual photos of litter, tagging it literati and throwing them out, which was great as a way to start and just see if people would even participate. But it also introduced a really interesting hurdle. Once we got a little bit of traction, Mm. I made the decision to build an iOS and Android app. So now you're faced with this challenge of how do you tell an existing community that's really built on top of another platform, Instagram, and say, look, we've now built an iOS and Android app. We'd like you to all come over here. That's a big communication challenge. Another challenge is um, at our core, what we're asking people to do is just a little bit weird. Mm -hmm. Like, How do you inspire someone to pick up something that either somebody else put on the ground or blew out of a trash can or some animal grabbed it's probably dirty. Right. It's not yours. It's not your responsibility. Like that in and of itself is a massive challenge. Mm. So it's a behavior change. It certainly is. So um, how, how have you overcome some of these challenges to continue being inspired and continue doing what you do? One of the things we, we've tried to do is increase motivation while decreasing friction. Mm. So... I think it, you know, it's a good lesson learned for, for most technology companies that, that try to do this, which is how do you get people to engage with your application in a way that's just A, super simple, right? So that's one. So for an example, when we were a hashtag on Instagram, there were multiple steps, right? You had to take a photo, add the tag, upload the photo one at a time. Mm. With the app, we said, what if you could take a thousand photos at once with one click upload everything. So that's an example of reducing friction. I think the bigger challenge is how do you increase motivation, right? How do you get people to actually take an action that they may not have taken before 
in a way that's meaningful to them. Right. So for us, that comes back to community, right? And it's this idea of letting people know that you're not in this alone. You're not battling this global problem by yourself. There's actually people all over the world who are taking the same action for the same greater good. And we have found that that takes that feeling of overwhelm and turns it into one of empowerment. I have a story of my own from my family. My dad is one of those guys. If you go with him on a walk, you know, expect it to be three, four times longer because he's the guy who's going to pick the plastic every time he sees it and he, he keeps stopping and stopping and stopping. Uh, and it's very uh, inspiring to see him do. Uh, but so your work is involved on, 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 on collecting litter and, and plastics and, and, other, and other waste from the environment. Um, I want to also talk to you about the up and coming major unintended consequence of technologies, and that is e-waste. Electronic waste is a major, major up and coming problem because you know, most products are designed to die after a few months so that you can buy a new up and coming version or upgrade. Um, and and e-waste is one of those major, major problems that's up and coming. Uh, I, I saw this statistic that I want to share, which is 55 million tons of electronic waste is discarded each year. Mm. And it's going to get worse with time because most of these electronics are designed to die, right? That's kind of how it's a business model. And most of the cell phones contain very high amounts of you know, precious metals such as silver and gold. Um, and Americans throw away approximately $60 million worth of, of cash in silver and gold in right. this electronic waste. Um, what, what, what are the, your thoughts on, on how we uh, as a society need to look at this problem, but also start thinking hard on mitigating it and make sure that we don't destroy the only planet we know that can sustain a life? It's a tough question. Uh, you know, I'm a believer that you can't manage what you can't measure. Right. And so are there policies that need to be put in place either sort of at a, a regulatory level or even at a private company level where we are truly measuring what magnitude of e-waste is being put into the marketplace, what magnitude is then being reclaimed and recycled and refurbished, what amount is ending up in the landfill. And I, mm. I think if we start there, at least we have a grasp of what you know, the significance of the problem is. Um, but you're right. I mean, this is a major issue. And it deals with everything from um, those devices becoming readily accessible to 8 billion people on the planet, where mm. 10 years ago that wasn't the case at all either because we hadn't reached that level of market penetration or the price points were unattainable for you know 90% of the population. Now that's not the case anymore, right? Every, I mean, I don't know what global smartphone penetration is at this point, but it's gotta be close to you know, 80, 90%, I would imagine. I mean, so everybody's gonna have these devices and most people are gonna have more than one device, right? right? right. And so how do you start to really understand what the magnitude of the problem is. That being said, hopefully there are some people out there who are starting to think on the innovative side from a materials perspective, mm -hmm. what are the ways forward to build a 
cradle-to-cradle system for electronics so that what they're made out of, when they are done their life cycle, can go back into the earth in a way that is completely harmless or even better, provides some sort of rejuvenating effect back to the planet as opposed to where we are now, which is right into a landfill. Landfill, right. So with your work now, how have the corporations responded? You know, when you show them this data and, and the charts, you know, the, the coffee companies, the, the beverage companies that have all these you know, plastics and, and, and glass bottles and straws and, and, and paper on, onto the streets uh, and, and, the, and into the environment. How, how have they responded to your uh, kind of bringing to light the problem? It's, it's been all over the map. And so... I think it's important not to think about brands and companies as like one bucket. I think it's helpful to sort of segment them because mm. not every brand has material that's found on the streets, right? Like one of my favorite brands is Patagonia. You don't see a lot of Patagonia litter. A, it just doesn't happen. And B, that's, I, you get my point. So some brands who have material that ends up on the ground um, some of those brands have kind of approached us with a bit of a skeptic eye. Mm. Like, what are you planning on doing with that data? Right. Others have started to wholly embrace the idea that if we own this problem as a brand and get out in front of it, almost from a PR perspective, we can be seen as an industry thought leader or as an industry hero. We're owning up to the, the fact that some of our material is ending up in places that it shouldn't. Right. We think that's the, the right way forward. Other brands have said, wait, we see an opportunity to connect with your community at Literati mm. because clearly that's a, a bunch of mindful activists, mindful, engaged people who want a sustainable planet that's you know, full of healthy, safe, and livable communities. Others, I think, you know, for us, we're still in our infancy, so I think others are like, what exactly is Literati and where are you guys headed? Right. And uh, we're excited to, you know, embrace those conversations. Yeah, and and I hope I hope that companies like, you know, the the cell phone companies and the computer companies like Apple and Samsung can actually also take up this movement of trying to figure out what you know be kind of ahead of the problem. Try to figure out what they do with the consumer when they're done with their product as opposed to just, um, you know, hand someone a product and hope for the best. And yeah, I completely agree. You know, and you bring up Apple. I actually think Apple is a shining example of what can be done right now. You're talking about a massive company that obviously has products in every country in billions, maybe hundreds of millions of people's hands, right? And Lisa Jackson, who was head of the EPA, I believe appointed by Obama, who now runs that whole area of sustainability for Apple, in my opinion, has done a marvelous job beginning to integrate programs to take back a lot of that e-waste in a way that um, really makes an impact. And it's early, but it's companies like Apple that I think are going to lead the way for other electronics manufacturers to, to really um, to kind of own this, because at the end of the day, they're the ones that wield so much power and influence. Great. Um, so do you, are you a, an optimist, a pessimist when it comes to the uh, will and the ability of us as a human race to sustain our planet 
or just somewhere in the middle? I'm an optimist, but that's just because I think it's a lot more fun. Yeah. Well, on the other hand, we don't have too much choice. Yeah. <laughs> we really have to be. It's easy. Look, it's easy to be the skeptic. It's right. easy to, 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 you know, be the naysayer and, and to, to not find hope. Or it's even easier to say this is somebody else's problem and they got to worry about it. I heard a great quote recently, which is um, anxiety comes from giving a shit. Wow. And it's true. Like, these are really difficult problems. Mm-hmm. And they are really complex. The easy thing would be to not do anything. Right. And clearly that's not, in my opinion, the right way forward. So I think it's best to, to be hopeful and to be optimistic and to you know, look at things like technology and, and how we can really start to attack these problems from innovative ways. And dare I say, you know, how can we even have fun while we're doing it? Right. So for a listener who is listening right now and they're very inspired by your work and uh, are interested to get involved um, and asking themselves, how can I help? What can I do? Uh, What would you say to them? You can join the Literati community by simply downloading the app. iOS and Android, they're both free. That's a great way to start. Um, And you can find us across all the social media as well. But beyond that, just take a look at yourself and what are some of your behaviors? Do you walk by 10 bottle caps on your way to work, or on your way to school? Do you purchase things that come wrapped in plastic? And, uh, you know, are there changes that you can make? Simple things, right? It, change takes time. So, you know, how can you make a simple change in your life that, that over time adds up to a, a real impact? Um, and, you know, we're, we're one way and we'd love to have you join the community because we like to say that individually you can make a difference, but together we create an impact. Absolutely. Um, how can people find you um, oh, personally, professionally? Uh, what kind of information are you willing to share so that people can uh, find you? Uh, easy on Twitter. I'm just at Jeff Kirshner. Uh, and uh, that's probably the easiest way to find me. But um, you can also find me on LinkedIn and Facebook and places like that. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you, our listeners, uh, and thank you, Jeff, for your inspiration today. We all learned something, and, uh, uh, and it, uh, we are very incredibly grateful for your work and what you do. So uh, thank you very much. Chris, thank you for having me.